you got your Bible with you, turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark, the New Testament book of Mark, chapter 4. This morning we will be reading verses 21 to 34. Mark chapter 4, 21 to 34. If you're a guest with us, we're working our way through the Gospel according to Mark, where Mark shows us Jesus as our King. And what it means to follow him as our king. And we've been working our way through chapter 4, which is a chapter that focuses on Jesus' teaching and the stories that he told uh, to proclaim the kingdom that he was bringing. And this morning, we're going to look at three more kingdom stories and see what they have to say to us about following Jesus as our king. With all that in mind, let's read Mark chapter 4, 21 to 34. This is the word of the Lord. And he, that is Jesus, said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. One of the mysteries in the book of Mark is if Jesus is the king who is invading this world to plunder his enemy and to bring his people into his kingdom, why does it look like he is such a failure? Why are not more people coming to Jesus and responding to the king? Why isn't he doing a better job plundering the enemy? And with these stories and these parables, Mark shows us some of the answers behind the curtain. And just as a little bit of review, the first reason we saw that more people don't come to Jesus is that God's plan requires some rejection. That's part of the path to the cross. And last week when we looked at the four soils, we saw that one reason more people don't come to Jesus is that following Jesus goes beyond the surface. It's not a shallow thing. It's not an easy call. It's not a cheap following. It goes deeper than that. 
Mark gives us a third reason why more people are not following Jesus. And it is this. God's process always shakes up our expectations. God's process, he has a planned process to his kingdom, shakes up what we expect to happen. God is like a very good baseball pitcher. According to one major league pitcher, the most important thing in pitching is to be unpredictable. When you are facing a good hitter, you cannot just throw fastballs straight down the middle every single pitch. The good batter will anticipate that and be ready for the next one. And so a good pitcher has to know what the batter's thinking. And if the batter is looking for a fastball down the middle, the good pitcher throws a slider down and away. Or a curveball that looks like it's going to hit the batter into the last minute and then slides right inside the strike zone. And with these stories, Mark is showing us that God is the greatest pitcher. Because God, when he pitches, is never predictable. This is the point to these three kingdom stories. They're all tied together to bring this one point. And so that's why we're looking at them together today. We tend to look at these in isolation. And when we do, we tend to miss the pitch. And so we're going to look at all three together today. And the first kingdom story that Mark gives us is the lamp and the measure. And what Mark is showing us with this story is that when God shines his light, you are responsible for what you do with it. It's a pretty straightforward pitch. But let's look at this story one more time. Verse 21 to 25. He said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. We think we know what Mark is going to pitch here when we hear the story of the lamp. But Jesus is a really good pitcher, and we're not expecting it exactly. When you hear the story of the lamp, what do we tend to think? We think that what Jesus is saying is that we need to be the lamp, that we need to go and share our light to the world of darkness. And that's how Matthew writes the story. But if you read the gospel according to Mark, that is not how he presents the pitch. There's a curve. Mark tells the story different. It's not about how we're lamps and what we do with the light. Mark is telling us how God uses his lamp and what he does with the light. And it all ties back to the conversation Jesus had with the disciples in verses 10 to 12, if you want to look there. Jesus is telling the disciples he's using the parables to keep the secret of God hidden from those who cannot hear. The question is, well, why does he do that? Why is Jesus keeping the truth from people? And this parable of the lamp shows us that God has a purpose and God has a 
process to his thinking. Look at verse 22. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. So God is showing us that he hid the lamp under the basket, in fact. God hid the truth under the basket so that he could bring it out onto the stand. So that he could showcase his glory. He kept the secret so that he could share it. It's a process. If everyone, we saw this a few weeks ago, if everyone saw the light right away, there would be no cross. And if there is no cross, brothers and sisters, there is no hope. It was part of God's process. John 1, 9 to 12, we see this process. John writes, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to became, become children of God. So part of the process was for it to be hidden so that it could be revealed in the good news of the gospel, brothers and sisters. 2 Timothy 1.10 tells us, has now been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Look at what Paul says. It has now been manifested. It has now been brought to light. And this is the good news. It's not hiding under the table anymore. It's out in the open. It's exposed. The gospel is above, on the stand, for all to see and hear. It's being proclaimed today. Do you see the light? Can you hear the good news? Jesus Christ has come and lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sin and rose again. And that resurrection, Paul says, abolishes death. So that death is not the end. That we have an eternal life in Christ Jesus with him in glory if we repent and put our faith in him. Brothers and sisters, have you turned to this great light? If you hear this message and, and, and realize that you have never come to that point where you have put your hope in the light of the world, Jesus Christ, do so today. Find that resurrection hope and life today. In Christ. But brothers and sisters, when the light comes to you, Mark says, you're responsible. When God shines his light and the lamp puts its light on you, it is up to you what you do with it. The light has been exposed today, and some of us are using it, and some of us are ignoring it right now. And it's not my fault, it's not God's fault, it is what you do with it. It's your responsibility. This is what the measure tells us in verse 24. Mark says that Jesus said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. And this connects again back to the four soils. All of these things work together. And Mark is telling us that how you hear the word matters. How right now you listen impacts everything. If, if you go back to the soils, if you're one of those callous, hard soil types, 
then you are going to hear nothing this morning. No matter what, God's word is going to mean nothing to you because of the way you hear. If you're one of the shallow types, then the word today is going to come to you shallow because that's how you hear. If you are one of the worldly types with the thorns and that worldliness is choking the life out of you, then when the word comes to you today, those thorns are going to drown God's word out and choke any fruit out of what I say in your ears out. And if you are the good, fruitful soil, then God is going to multiply what you hear and give you more and more and more. How you hear matters. Let me just apply it quickly to your life to to help you see what Mark is saying. I, I hear all the time, and maybe you've heard this, maybe you've said this, that I, I, I listen to the sermon, I, I, I try to read my Bible in the morning, I, I try to do a devotion, but I'm just not getting anything out of it. It's all fuzzy to me. I don't, I don't understand. Things aren't clicking. That didn't really hit me. The measure, brothers and sisters, tells us that that's on you. You get what you give. And so if you're not getting anything out of it, it's because you're not putting anything in it. You can't expect to ignore God's word over and over and over again and, and pick up the Bible and read a verse or show up on a Sunday and listen to one sermon and expect to get anything. That's not how it works. That's not the process. As one writer says, the more one listens to the word of Jesus with spiritual perception and applies it, the more the truth about Jesus will be revealed. And so, friends, it's easy to think that what we need to do is just go easy. Maybe just read a little bit in the morning, just 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 a verse here and there, and let God really expand on that truth in our minds and hearts and just take a little bit of God's word at a time, the reality is you don't need less, you need more. Colossians 2, 3 tells us that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And God's given you his word so that you can have all of it, but it takes some digging. He's not kept his lamp hidden So let his word be a light to your path. Take it. Use it. And friends, what you get out of it does impact what you have to give. If you're not receiving God's word, if you're not soaking it in, if you're not hearing it like good soil, you're not going to be good to anybody else. When you go out and try to do ministry, you're not going to have anything to give. When your cup's empty, you can't overflow to somebody else. And so it impacts everything. So if you're going to be a light to someone else, give God's word your full measure. If you think that this message says 
that everything's up to you, that it's all on you, Jesus has a curveball coming your way. Because in the second story, he really changes it up. The second story is the sleeping farmer in verses 26 to 29. And in this story, Jesus says, when you sow the seed, God is responsible for what he does with it. When God shines his light on you, you are responsible for what you do with it. But then when you take it and sow the seed and shine the light to somebody else, God is responsible for what he does with it. This is the parable of the sleeping farmer. Look at the sleeping farmer in verses 26 to 29. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The farmer can plant seeds, but he can't physically change the seed into crops. He's not a part of that process. Jesus emphasizes how passive, how inactive, how insignificant the farmer really is. Day and night he goes to sleep, and he doesn't even know how this whole thing works. He has to wait on the earth to do its job. And so here's the surprise pitch from Jesus. Are you, are you listening? The kingdom ultimately does not depend on your effort. The kingdom of God ultimately doesn't depend on how hard you work, how hard you try, how hard I work. God's work comes in God's time, God's way. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, Paul realizes this. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. God's kingdom not only doesn't depend on your effort, brothers and sisters, God's kingdom doesn't depend on your understanding. It is okay if you don't even fully get what I am saying. God's kingdom is not phased. Like the farmer, we ultimately do not know how. God's ways are not our own. But like the farmer, we can wake up, we can get to work with confidence knowing that God will work. Colossians 2.19, Paul tells us that the whole body grows with a growth that is from God. Brothers and sisters, the work that God's doing is not instantaneous. It's a process. We think that we can just microwave God's growth, that we can just manufacture kingdom activity and growth, but that's not the process. Let me try to apply it to your life. This could be applied so many ways to the church. It would take too long. We need about a month to do it. But let me just give you some questions to think about for yourself. What do you think when it looks like in your life that God is doing nothing? How do you process God's process when it looks like that nothing is happening 
that God has just left you there, that you don't see any fruit or growth or evidence that God's doing something in your life. How do you think about that? Do you think that something's wrong? Do you think something's wrong with you? We tend to think that. Nobody shows up for a Sunday school class. Nobody shows up for a church service. Nobody shows up for a big event. And we think, well, God's not blessing us. Or is it something's wrong with the message? And maybe we need to fine-tune it, make it more appealing, need something more? What do we think when it looks like God's doing nothing? We take matters into our own hands. We take shortcuts. We try to manipulate results. We try to manipulate conversions. What do you do when it looks like nothing's happening in your kid's life, no matter what age they are? What does it look like when the answer to your prayer is not coming right away? What does does all of this say about the way we trust our king? What does it say about what we think about him? James 5, 7, and 8 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, Until it receives the early and the late rains, you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. If God always does what you expect, if things always are obvious that God is working, and everything just makes sense to you, then God is not God. You are. In order to walk by faith, you have to not understand some things. You have to have some curveballs in your life. Following Jesus requires the faith of a farmer. And so as we go and share the light with other people, we can plant seeds. All I can do today is plant seeds, but I cannot change your heart. And you cannot change somebody's heart. We have to let the word do its job. All we can do is sow and wait. Sow and wait and pray and go to sleep and do it again. Over and over and over, just like the farmer. Friends, put your trust in God to handle the growth, to take care of his work. Proverbs 19:21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And listen, whatever you're waiting on the Lord for, it could be a lot of different things in this room. God does not promise that his process will meet your schedule. God does not promise you that his strategy will match your strategy. It's his kingdom. He will handle it. And we can have confidence like the farmer that no matter what things look like today, the harvest is coming. And that's the point of the last story when Jesus tells us the parable of the mustard seed. And the pitch that we're not really ready for in this story, 
Jesus tells us that what God does with the kingdom today does not look like the kingdom tomorrow. We need to get this. It's easy to hear. It is totally different to live. What God is going to do with his kingdom today does not look like what he's going to do tomorrow. Read with me the parable of the mustard seed in verses 30 to 34. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This is another one of those pitches that we think we know it's coming and Jesus gives us something totally different. A lot of us, when we think about the mustard seed, our our first initial thoughts is that what Jesus is pitching is that we need to have the faith of a mustard seed so that we can move mountains. And we need to have that kind of faith. That's not the pitch. That's in a different gospel. And if you read the mustard seed in the book of Mark, Jesus is pitching something else. He's pitching really the difference between how things look right this minute and how things will look when God is finished. He's showing us the process. What starts out as a tiny seed turns out magnificent. What starts as something so small it fits in the palm of your hand ends up providing shade and and fruit for the birds. Jesus is telling us that what you see now doesn't tell the whole story. Can you please hear that and apply it to your life? What you see now does not tell the whole story. God's plan, His process His intention is to use insignificance, to use tininess, to use smallness and weakness to show off his glory. So why are we looking for magnificence right now? Why are we looking for significance? Why are we looking for bigness? That's what the church has sold itself to, right? We just want to be bigger and bigger and bigger, significant, 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 magnificent. But God's process is to start with insignificance and end with glory. And so, friends, this is what God's saying. You cannot trust your eyes. You cannot trust your experience. What you see right now isn't the whole thing. What you're experiencing right now, your difficulties, your season of life, your struggles, whatever, whatever you're seeing isn't the whole picture. You have to look beyond the surface. As one writer tells us, we cannot see into next week, let alone eternity. Just think about how many different Areas of our life, that would change. If we really put our faith in that, you have no clue what God's going to do one week from today. So how can you look at things right now and and tell me you understand what God's going to do in heaven? What you see now isn't everything. Listen, we live in a time where it's easy to be discouraged. 
It's easy to lose confidence. You look at what's going on in this world. You look what's going on in the church. You look what's going on in the way people are hearing the message. And it is easy to be disillusioned. It's easy to be distraught. It's easy to be afraid. It's easy to wonder what the heck is going on. And all of these feelings prove that we expect God to do what we expect. That we don't trust Him in this process. That somehow this process has gotten away from Him. What exactly, brothers and sisters, do we expect God to do? Jesus, friends, does not promise us a kingdom that makes sense to us. Jesus does not promise a kingdom that brings the results we expect to bring. Jesus does not promise a kingdom that works with the speed that we expect it to work. Jesus pitches his kingdom the way he wants to pitch it. But scripture does promise us what the mustard seed will look like in the end. And when you're distraught and fearful and and just not able to make any sense of things about what God is doing right now, what you have to do is go to the end to be able to handle today. If things don't look the same today as they will look tomorrow, then you need to look at tomorrow. And so let me just set your mind on what God's kingdom will look like tomorrow to help you live today. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 to 14, we see the end. We see what the mustard seed looks like. In heaven, they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Listen, no matter what things look like today, that is where we are headed. No matter what struggles you're facing, no matter what obstacles are in our path, no matter how desperate times seem, that end is certain. And so today, do not underestimate what God can do with what seems like insignificance. Do not scoff at little. Do not question what looks unimportant. Do not doubt what seems weak. Because, friends, in God's process, that is what is going to get us there. When Jesus says, believe, that's the theme, right? When Jesus says, believe, he's calling you to risk everything 
in that, in a work you cannot see. And it wouldn't be believed if you could see it. If it's just plain and obvious, if it's just grand significance and magnificence today, you have no faith. But Hebrews 11.1 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. No matter what the TV screen tells you, don't put your hope in what you see. Stay faithful in the little things. Trust the Lord to work out his process. So take all of these pitches, all of these stories together, and what do we have? The lamp and the measure say, soak in his word. You're, you're responsible for what you do with it. Soak it in. Dig deeper. Hear it more. And the farmer tells us, while you're doing that, rest in God's power to do his work. And the mustard seed tells us, wait, wait for faith to take things that you cannot see and, and, and carry out the process to the point where we do see. Friends, Jesus shakes up our expectations. That's what he does. That's his process. But our hope cannot be shaken. Our expectations, God will shake them every day. But our hope and glory cannot be stolen. It cannot be taken away. And with that hope and confidence, we need to remember Paul's words in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Friends, whatever you see, do not give up. Do not give up. Put your faith in Jesus and in God's process. And in due season, we will reap. Let us pray.